Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. I'm so excited for December because it's Christmas time. It only happens once a year. It's like your birthday. You've got to wait a whole other year for it to roll around and it's going to be such a wonderful month. I'm full with expectation for you and what God is going to do in your life. Um, just want to do a shout out. Where's Leah Johnson? Well, she left the room already. She probably had to go to the bathroom. Um, oh, there she is. Shout out to Leah just this week. Went public with her uh, brand, The Protest Club. You'll probably see a few people rapping it ahead of time, like mum and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. But uh, get on Instagram. If you're not, um, you might have to talk to her face-to-face. And uh, we're so proud of you, Leah. We've known Leah since she was two and Oliver was one. These are like the first members of Kids Church ever. And uh, an absolute champion with an incredible future. All of our media, all the stuff you see on the screens, like this, full surrender. It's all Leah. She's a creative genius. So um, we're so proud of you, Leah. And uh, we didn't. We, we had Pastor Luca with us uh, a few weeks back. And who who enjoyed being in the longest church service you've ever been in? <laughs> who stayed till one thirty in the morning? Yeah, come on! What a night! What a morning! Like we had, we had people that very same day having parts of their prophetic words from Pastor Luca being fulfilled. Like it was ridiculous. And uh, we were so proud of you all for turning up, for staying, for pushing through. And uh, it was like great. We could maybe bring it into church. People would just, you just go and make a cup of coffee, come back in, make a cup of tea. But uh, one thing we didn't do when Pastor Luca was here, just because, you know, I, I kind of thought church had gone on for long enough at half past one in the morning, was uh, take up a love offering for Pastor Luca. And um, so this week, I've been away this week, so this coming week, um, we are going to, you know, send him a love offering. But I'd, we're not going to pass the buckets, but I really want to encourage each and every one of you, if, if he prophesied over your life, you should give to bless him in return. You're not giving to receive a prophecy because you've already received it. You're giving to honor the prophet in whom the prophecy came through. These guys, like I say, they never come with a fee. They just turn up because they love us, because they love you, and they're working for Jesus. But like Luke said, we don't want to be uh, needers, we want to be feeders. And as he has fed us, we also want to feed back into Pastor Luca's world and into his family. So I would really love it if you could give and that we could send Pastor Luca and Joe and his his three wonderful kids a, a generous gift, a generous love offering. He's went from us to Whangarei, from Whangarei to Great Barrier Island, and now he's about to go to, I was just on the phone with him, somewhere else. And uh, so you can give online, you can give at the FPOS terminal, but when you do, just put Pastor Luca as, like, use your giving number or your reference, and then just put Pastor Luca in one of the other little gaps that your bank provides you, or write it on the, uh, the FPOS receipt. If you're giving by check, just write it on the back. But 
would love you to partner with us so we can bless this incredible uh, man of God. That is, that's it. So, thank you so much, team. Give it up for the band, champions. Now, I went on a school camp during the week, uh, all week at the beach. I'm sorry if you feel bad about it, but uh, like in, in full sun all week, and these lights are, if I don't make it through, it's sunstroke from six days worth of being fried on the beach. But uh, I'm so, so pleased to be opening uh, this month of December, full surrender December. And I just kind of want to open it uh, right and open it properly because it's, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably hearty, you could say, you know, title leading, closing the year of like full throttle. We could have called it like wide, wide open throttle December or full throttle December. But the youth pastor came up with full surrender December. So uh, we ran with that. But, uh, you know, there's the saying I just read this morning, this morning, all of us could take a lesson from the weather. It pays no attention to criticism. And, um, and, and like, <laughs> like, how many people shake their fist at the rain and it just rains, or they shake their fist at the sun and it just burns them regardless? <laughs> but we could all take a lesson from the weather. It pays no attention to criticism. And how much of our life is stifled by the criticism or even the potential criticism that we are afraid of facing by pursuing the call of God on our life? Like what will our parents think? What will our family think if you're from a family that um, you know, doesn't value salvation or, or value the church? What will, you know, there's all these scenarios that float around our life and uh, many of them will never, ever come to fruition. But the reality of them in our sub subconscious is very real. And when I read that this morning, I was like, you know, good criticism is healthy, et cetera, et cetera. But let's be people, and, and full, full Surrender December is part of it, is about, about taking a posture that says I'm more focused on what Jesus Christ has for my life than what other people may think, what other people's opinions are. Even, you know, if other people will, will still hold me with the same respect or, or, you know, friendship status, Full Surrender December is about us at the end of the year really hitting 2020 with the posture of our spirits that says, I'm serving Jesus Christ with my life. That does not mean I'm going to quit and, and work for the church. That, that's maybe part of it, but we'll take you, and um, we'll take you. And we pay great wages, coffee, you know, high fives, handshakes, words of affirmation. Like, honestly, the world's poor of robbed of encouragement. One of the greatest currencies is the currency of encouragement. There's a whole bunch of naysayers and critics and down buzzers out there trying to rob you of your joy. But, um, you know, the gift of encouragement, that's why Paul was like, I'm so glad I've got Barnabas because his, his name, is he was literally the son of encouragement. And Paul went through the mill 
multiple times, but he's like, I got this guy who just keeps lifting me up, telling me I'm awesome, telling me I'm going to make it through, like, although the Pharisees are trying to kill you and the Sadducees disagree with you and everyone else is beating you with sticks and throwing stones at you, you know what, Paul, you're awesome. <laughs> you're killing it, Paul. They're trying to kill you, but you're killing it, man. You're killing it for Jesus. So maybe they could, maybe kill it for Jesus. Maybe they could be, you know, January. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. I've got the next two Sundays off, so you're just going to get what you get and you won't get upset. Um, but, you know, when we ha- hold this, I don't know, I'm just going to, like, my mum and dad, Percy, are in the house this morning. So all of this, all of this that you have to put up with, it's their fault. So it's not they're the reason. So, uh, you know. But, uh, like, we, this, the word surrender can often have like this this image attached of someone hiding behind a pile of sandbags with a white flag saying, I've given it everything I've got and now I have to surrender because I'm being overcome by a force I don't want to be overcome with. You know, we see it in the cartoons, um, particularly uh, Tweety Bird and Sylvester the Cat, you know, waving the white flag, I surrender. And you may be familiar with this scenario, lying flat on your back with an older sibling holding your arms above your head while dribbling, you know, spit out of their mouth. If you've never done that to your sibling, you're robbing them of a childhood experience. That they, It's like a rite of passage. You must do it to your younger brothers and sisters. Just pin down, you know, nowhere to go, knees on their chest, hands on their hands, just dribbling all over them until they, you know, they, till they surrender. Or it's like you want, you play the game of mercy. Do you want to play a game? Like you just hold my hands and you, you link fingers and then they bend your wrists back like as far as they can until you, until you, this is not full surrender December. This is childhood torture. And, uh, or arm wrestles. I remember the day I bet my older brother Sam at an arm wrestle. I was 18, and it was a total game changer. He, he, being foolish, went off to university, studied mechanical engineering. I, being smart, took on a trade. You know, and I was just working these things all day long. And one day, big brother comes home from university, and he's like, we're going to, you know, I don't even know how we got to arm wrestling, but I bet him. Stake in the ground. Never arm wrestled him since. I'm the undisputed champion. I never arm wrestled dad because beating your father's embarrassing. Ah, no, sorry. <laughs> no, I was too afraid. I was too afraid. <laughs> okay, so, um, <laughs> so this idea of surrender is not a forceful taking over of your life. Like, I've lost, you've won, therefore I surrender. Because often, like, it's like, if you, you surrender or die. And we, we kind of, we watch movies and someone has to surrender or we have these images of, of someone surrendering to a, a higher power. And that can kind of get into our, our subconscious, into the view of, you know, us surrendering our lives to God. But that's not surrender at all. Yes, God is a higher power, no doubt about it. But when we surrender our lives, it's a willing laying down of our lives before Jesus Christ, knowing that he's got a better option for us. Knowing that as we lay it down, 
as we put our lives on the, the altar or, or in His presence or just yield to the plan that God has for our life, God actually has your best interests at heart. So surrender is not a forceful taking over. And there is occasions in, in Christian history where you'll read about some of the people who have gone before us. And yes, God has turned up in their world in a radical way. The Apostle Paul, like he threw him off his donkey, sat him down. And, but that was the Apostle Paul. He was going around killing the church. You're just going to work most days. So, uh, so this idea of surrender is this, God, I choose to lay my life down. I choose to put aside my dreams, my purposes, my ideas, but I do it on the basis of your Bible that says whoever loses their life for my sake will truly find it. I do this based not in naivety, not in desperation, but I, Mark Percy, lay down my life well-informed by the Bible. And you too can confidently surrender your life to the plan that God has for you, well informed by the book that He has given you, which is His Bible. If you're not reading your Bible, if you don't have this as the bedrock of your life, it will just be really difficult. Because you'll keep trying to take back off the altar what you've put on it. And it's like, undercooked, raw in the middle, like it's, it's got to be on or off, but a, a well-educated, well-learned person in the Bible, and my gosh, I'm well, I'm still got a long way to go on the journey. Even when you want to take yourself off the altar, your Bible reminds you, no, you stay on the altar. Even when it gets going tough, even when you, you want to just take back the reins of your life, my Bible reminds me that the best version of my life is found through the cross of Jesus Christ. Not trying to live it in my own strength. And Paul wrote uh, to one of the churches, who are you so naive or so foolish to think what was started in the spirit can be maintained or finished by the work of the flesh? Because there's this desire in us to, to take the reins back, to unsurrender ourselves. But we're called to live a life that is in, in constant surrender to God's plan for us. So what's, you got to ask yourself questions like this, God's, God, what is your plan for my business? God, what is your plan for my education? God, what is your plan for my career? God, what is your plan for me while I'm at college? What is your plan for me in my singleness? Don't wait, waste your singleness waiting for your husband. Just live your life and you'll probably knock into your husband or your wife somewhere along the way. God, what is your plan for me in, in, as we're newly married? What is your plan for us as we have a family? Because we can go like this. You know, I've just got to get married first, or, or then we'll just have the family. We'll just pay off the mortgage. Now we'll just retire. And then, what if, you know, you, you, might, you might have 10 or 15 good years left. So the idea of full surrender is right now, in whatever season of life that you're in, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It may seem like the most worst time to surrender your life to God, but often your worst time is God's best time. So when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, 
They had been waiting to cross the Jordan River into the promised land for 40 years. Right there, the river. They'd observed it for 40 years. Winter, autumn, summer, spring, up, down, high, low. Now waiting there, finally the time comes for them to cross. And the Bible says when the Jordan River was at flood stage, so it's running faster, deeper, and wider than it's ever move, ever moves, God says, that's it, go, cross the river. Like, God, it's a dumb time to cross the river. It's in flood. Your worst time is God's best time. And as they, t- as they walked, as they surrendered, all right, God, we're going to do it, they picked up the presence of God, and as their feet touched the water, as the priest's feet touched the water, it stopped flowing, backed up, way up the river. You may be looking at your life, this is, you know, my life is flowing deep, it's flowing wide, it's flowing fast, it's the worst time to surrender to God, to let God in on the picture, but it's actually the best time to let God in the picture because you're going to experience a miracle that you could never have possibly dreamed of, and the miracle will be 100% credited to God. When He asks you to carry a golden box across a river in flood stage, you need a miracle because that thing is heavy. And it is going to sink you to the bottom of the river. So Jesus has no problem asking us for our entire lives because he is 100% confident in the plan that he has for our lives. So when Jesus asks us to surrender our lives to him or whatever that looks like in your context, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a successful business person, whether you're going to work, work in the nine to five, whether you're... Uh, studying whatever, you know, context your life is in, Jesus Christ has no problem for asking, asking for you to surrender it because he is 100% confident in the plan and the purpose that he has for your life. We serve a confident God. The Bible says that God is not like a man who is double-minded, like to go back on his word. He is set He has planned. He says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined for good works that he had planned for them to do in advance. A.K.A. before anything happened, he knew about you, he knew about your life, and he knew about the plan that he had for your life. But he gives you the option whether or not you'll engage with it. Because he gave you free will. It's your choice. Surrender is not God pinning you down dribbling on your face until you surrender. God is saying, I set before you life and death, choose life. But either way, the choice is yours. I set before you my word, I set before you my son, and I set before you my Holy Spirit, but you choose. I said, he said to Adam and Eve, I set before you the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I I would recommend not to eat. I would strongly recommend not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but you choose. And for each and every one of us in this room today, for anyone listening online, the choice always ends with us. God created heaven and earth and the great world that we enjoy He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Then He poured out His Holy Spirit on earth, the gift that He had promised that every single believer could have an intimate relationship with God and be in His presence all the time. It's our move to engage with what God has established 
here on earth and in the, the heavenly realms. It's, it's our move to engage and, and choose that surrendering of our will to God's will is the greatest decision we could ever possibly make. That full surrender to God is the best decision. He doesn't feel bad about it because he knows how good it is. He doesn't feel bad about asking people to give up drugs, to give their money, to use their time to build his kingdom because it's the best thing for them. And whatever God is asking from you or asking you to do is going to be the very best thing for you because he's God and he loves you. And he says, like, you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to his children, to us? But, like, if you don't have a bearing for the character and nature of who God is, if your view of God is an angry taskmaster sitting on a throne pointing a knobbly finger down at humanity saying, you naughty children, You'll always struggle to surrender to that. But if your view of God is a loving Father who would give, who would would empty the vaults of heaven to redeem humanity, He who did not even spare His only Son to redeem us and to save us, when your view, and that's not, oh God, I'm so sorry for you that you had to send Jesus. It's like, God, That's how much you love me. That's how much you are invested in my life. That's how much you are invested in my eternity. That's how much you're invested in my marriage, in my singleness, in my youthfulness, in my ageness, my old. God, you're invested 100% into my life. Like he didn't tithe Jesus to earth. I'll just send 10%. That'll be enough. He gave fully the prince of heaven this is the christmas story you know jesus christ fully god fully man like fully god not half god not demigod not maui you know fully god the full like the bible says god jesus christ is the exact representation of who god is so if you're struggling with who God is, just find Jesus because he is the exact representation of who God is and how God feels about you. Nailed to a cross, bleeding and dying for the sins he never committed, that is how God, I love you that much. I love you to the moon and back. Said the little nut brown hair to the big nut brown hair. No other way around. But uh, that is, so our, our, our view of who God is, totally shifts our, our, our heart towards Him when it comes to being fully surrendered to the plan that He has for our life. Because He's not trying to use, use your life. He wants to maximize your life. He has spread His gifts abroad. Each and every one of you carry a deposit of heaven that is fanned and fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can use it in our own strength. We can, we can use it to a certain extent. Like you can push a car a certain pace, but if you just fill, up, fill it up with petrol and fire up the engine, that thing will travel farther and faster than it can just by you trying to push it. And sometimes we're trying to push our gifts through life when God wants to fuel our gifts through life. He doesn't want to take it from you. He wants to maximize it. 
He wants your world to collide with the cross that he would maximize all the goodness that he knows is inside of you and also help you deal with the wounds that life has left you with along the journey. Because it does. He has a far greater perspective than we do. And he has given us this book to help us with it. And men and women, many, many, many who have gone before us, Hebrews 12, 1 reminds us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is every saint who's ever gone before us. We live, if you could picture it like this, our world is like the playing field of an arena. And everyone who has gone before us has a seat in the arena, all watching on, not to see whether we will win or lose, but to offer their encouragement, their support, their chairs from their place in heaven. They've run the race, they've fought the fight, they're with Jesus Christ in heaven. But if you could see right now around this church, Paul and Moses and Timothy and Peter and James and John shouting from the stands, Give it all you've got. Lay it all on the altar. Don't leave anything to question or to spare. If we could tune in to the frequency of heaven and tune out of the negativity and the naysaying of the world that tries to devalue faith and tries to force you into the mold that is the status quo of humanity. If we could tune out from that and tune the old wireless into the the, the frequency of heaven and hear the screams from from the side lines. Give it all you've got. Leave it all on the field. Don't come off thinking, if only I had, or why didn't I? Do it Do it today. Do it now. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us throw off the things that hinder us and let us leave behind the sin that entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. We've got to throw as an intentional taking off of the things that we've taken on. And you've, you're carrying stuff, unforgiveness, offense, hurt. And you've got to, you have to take it off. God has given you a garment of praise. Instead of just, He's given you joy for mourning. We've got, there's an intentional choice. I'm going to choose this morning to take off those things and put, I'm going to forget the former and I'm going to embrace the new thing that God has for my life. But it's not just me. I'm surrounded by an age of saints, both men and women, young and old, who are cheering me on to run the race, to fight the good fight. Even when I don't want to get up, Someone's telling me, stand up again. You've got another round in you. You've got another race inside of you. You've got another path marked out before you. May have, you may have tripped. You may have fallen. But the Bible says the righteous, even though they fall 99 times, they just get up one more time than they fell. That even though our enemies gloat around us, surely God is our light. That God is with us. We've got to adopt this posture. I'm going, to, I'm going to give my life for the cause, whether it's my business, my education, my status in life, whether it's my, my singleness, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, I'm going to raise my children with the Bible. I'm going to raise my children with worship music. I'm going to raise my babies in an environment that, that when I send them out into the world, they're going to blaze on, not burn out for Jesus Christ. 
God's plan for your life is not a second-rate option. Like, when I've done all I can, then I'll serve Jesus. Nor is ministry for those who have nothing else to do with their lives. Like in the School of Rock, Jack Black, those who can't do, teach, and those who can't teach, teach PE. You know, it's not... (laughs) That was Jack Black in the School of Rock. But it's not the second rate option. It is the best option for your life to serve Jesus Christ. It is the only option that will give you eternal benefits, eternal payback, eternal glory with Christ Jesus. And you may think, well, I only care about my earthly glory. Well, you say that now until you stand before the King of glory. And you're like, hmm. Maybe the preacher was right on the 1st of December 2019. Give it all for the gospel. And I see through the Bible, God consistently asked busy people to stop what they're doing and follow Him. You are not too busy to serve Jesus Christ. Peter and his brothers were fishing. They were like in the middle of their job. They had a fishing business. It wasn't just like a little boat and a, you know, a little, little bait catcher out on the, the lake or out on the sea. No, no, he had, he had this business. Commercial fishing business. So in the middle of cleaning their nets, no small feet, Jesus turns up, says, you two, come follow me. Says immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus Christ. Paul was riding his donkey. Letters written by the Sanhedrin to persecute and kill Christians. A man on a mission, a man of significance, one of the most intelligent, most respected religious leaders of his day. There was none, Paul even said of himself, and he wasn't one to blow his own trumpet, but he did say to prove a point of who he used to be, that there was none second to him in his religious zeal and his observance of the law. He's on a road to Damascus on a donkey. Jesus turns up in his world, bang, Saul, why do you persecute me? Build my church. Abraham is with his father. And he says, Abraham, leave your father's house. And he didn't just have, he wasn't just living with mom and dad. His, his father was a somebody. What, he said, leave your inheritance behind. Leave your family name behind. Leave, leave everything that has been established for you behind and go to a land that I will show you. God didn't even tell him where he was going. He says, Abraham, just take a walk. Elisha was working in the field with his plow with 12 oxen, plowing his field. Elijah walks along, whacks him with his cloak. Call of God's on your life. Goes back, says goodbye to his family, burns his plow, puts his ox on it as an offering, and follows God. We have these people in the Bible as an example for us to follow. And sure, God may not ask you to leave your business. He may not ask you to to go to a foreign land, but He is going to ask you to put your heart on the altar this morning. Is your will surrendered to God's will for your life? Or are you still sitting in an arm wrestle? You know, you can sit in an arm wrestle locked in the center for ages. Just a little bit of to and froing. But the question to you this morning is where's your heart when it comes to being surrendered to God? Is it off doing its own thing? Like we said last week, today 
when you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart, but open it to receive the word of the Lord. Don't wait till you're married, till you're mortgage-free, till your kids have left home, till you're retired, till we've got today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why worry about tomorrow, Jesus said, or have enough worry of its own. Just do today what you can today. And today in this church service, we can say, you know what, Jesus, I'm taking up what you've got for me. You may be here, you may have been wrestling with God. You may have never even knew you had an option this morning to be like, God, you have a plan for my life? This is great news. You knew before I was born. That means no one can undo it and no one can mess it up. Even though you may have done some things in life, even though your parents may have done some things in life, that does not nullify God's plan for your life. Just puts the spice in it. Just puts his thumbprint on your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.